final hour of the Fan Morning Show. Sports at 590 The Fan. Toronto Blue Jays with a big win to stop the slide yesterday, last night, against the Chicago White Sox. And fireworks in the distance. Getting closer, as Dan Schulman once mentioned on the broadcast, for a few innings, you got to celebrate uh, the 4th of July. Let's talk to our insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. It's Dan Schulman, Blue Jays, play-by-play announcer with us at Sportsnet. Dan, uh, how's your hearing from the endless fireworks <laughs> last night? You're right. Endless. You're you're not <laughs> kidding. And it, it did feel like they were getting closer and we were surrounded by it. And then a- after the game, so I had a huge fireworks show at the ballpark, not surprisingly, <laughs> but we made, uh, you know, kind of a very quick getaway after the game. And so we were in an Uber on our way back downtown. And it was like there were 30 different places we drove by on the way where there were fireworks. I mean, like everybody loves fireworks and we see it Canada Day, obviously. But this was like on a whole other level. It was it was something else last night. I don't know. I feel like we're actively trying to ban fireworks uh, north of the border where they're just leaning into it uh, south of the border. And as they should, yeah. it's a celebratory time, of course. Uh, it's pretty cool, actually. I mean, your job is awesome and very cool, of course. Uh, but like every July 4th, it seems you get to go to a different American ballpark, which is, and it's always a celebration, right? Like, is that yeah. he kind of one of the cooler parts of the gig to be in the United States on July 4th at a different spot and seeing how, you know, there's fireworks everywhere, but it's a, probably a bit different everywhere you go. Yeah, it is a bit different. It, it, every now and again, it feels like the Blue Jays are home on the 4th of July. And I think the tricky thing is, so the Jays, want to be home on Canada Day, obviously, and are home every Canada Day. But sometimes it's just not possible to get them somewhere else. On the 4th of July, they wind up being home. And I know baseball tries because I know the people who who do this kind of stuff. But it is fun to see how it's different um, in every single place. I can't off the top of my head tell you where I was last July 4th or the year before that or anything like that. But I know I've been um, to a bunch of places. And it is it is festive. It wasn't a sellout last night, though. That's the, wow, the funny part. It was, a good, it, it was a good, yeah, it was a good crowd. Now, the White Sox are playing not a great brand of baseball, obviously. So, you know, that probably tips the scales away from the fireworks display in, in favor of do I want to put my money down to watch these guys play. But, um, but it, it, and, and it was a really quiet crowd until the, they were loud twice, the Robert home run and the fireworks uh, at the end of the game. But, um, you know, I don't know if they do a Looney Dogs thing on the 4th of July, but I bet you they competed pretty well. Joey Chestnut did. He yeah, uh, he held down right. the hot dogs for the entire country yesterday. It saved yeah. America, saved the 4th of July. Um, <laughs> so making fireworks before was... John Schneider uh, announcing that Alec Manoa would be starting the game on Friday for the Major League Club uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, what was your level of surprise when you heard that information? Well, it was funny, and I don't know if you've seen the video or heard the audio, but he said, um, you know, so Zach Pop is going to throw an inning, and Adam Simber's with us, and he's doing this, and um, like a couple other things. Uh, and Alec Manoa is going to start Friday in Detroit. And, <laughs> like, and, you know, he had kind of a smirk on his face. When he said it, um, I was surprised. I wasn't like it, you know, knocked over backwards, shocked, but I was surprised. And Joe Siddle and I had talked about it on our way down to the ballpark. What are the options here? Obviously, Ryu's not ready. That's not an option. So the two options they had were one more go round with some combination of Richards and Francis or Manoa. And, you know, everybody saw and heard and was told that things went better in New Hampshire on Sunday night, but I, I still thought it was quick because, you know, when you send a guy all the way down to the complex league, who was a 
Cy Young finalist, you're making a pretty big statement about there's a lot of work to be done here uh, and maybe on multiple fronts. And you just hope it's not too soon that, you know, I think part of it is that Detroit's not a great team and not a very good offensive team at all. And maybe they think that, you know, that'll help ease the transition back into the major leagues for him, for Manoa. But, um, you know, if it doesn't go well, you know, you've kind of played that card and then now what do you do? So I thought he was going to be down longer. I didn't know if he was going to be in New Hampshire or Dunedin or Buffalo or whatever, but I thought they would want to see four or five kind of sustained outings or at least get through the all-star break. I I got that, you know, maybe they didn't want to keep doing this Richards Francis thing out of the all-star break. They don't have as many off days there and they kind of got to figure it out. But, um, you know, so maybe they said, Hey, if we're going to do it next week, we might as well do it this week. But I was a little bit surprised. Yeah. Has it just come down to maybe they're running out of time and if they have to see it, they have to see it sooner than later. And we mentioned, Hey, maybe they want them to start on the road. Well, there's only a couple more series on the road. See, Seattle and the LA Dodgers. I'm not sure that's the softest landing, but then again, you have to remind yourself, well, there's no soft landing in major league baseball. If you're going to be a contributor, then you have to contribute no matter who the competition is. So I guess he gets that one, maybe soft landing ramp up uh, spot. But again, like that's not the reality of major league baseball. Do you think this is just, Hey, we have to try it now because we got to make decisions before July 31st or the the trade deadline rather. And we cannot afford maybe more importantly to keep hurting our bullpen, which is maybe showing cracks in other ways as we look to fill the gaps with Richards, uh, you know, taking the starters role uh, every fifth day. Yeah, no, both valid points. Obviously, this allows Richards to go back into a different role. Somebody will go down to the minors. I'm assuming it'll be either Bowden Francis or Thomas Hatch. If they send Hatch down, they still have the length that Francis can provide, which I think is kind of important because if, if Manoa goes four innings or if Kikuchi in one of his starts goes four innings, it is nice to have a guy who can go out there for three, four innings, and the Blue Jays haven't really had that. So I'm assuming Thomas Hatch goes down to the minors and Francis stays, but yeah, it, it, you can understand like when it's you know when we talk it through, like we have just talked it through, you can understand all the reasons behind it. And coming out of the All Star break, they can kind of pick and choose what order they want guys to go in. But as you said, like it, it's not going to be easy. So he'll either start against Arizona or San Diego. I don't know what's probably San Diego's easier there because Arizona's playing so well, but that means you're going to face Soto and Tatis and Bogarts and Machado. Like that's the easier of the two. And then, as you said, the Seattle LA road trip is really, really interesting. Starting in Seattle to me is pressure because it's like a home game on the road and you really want to do, you want to do well so badly for, you know, all the fans who are there. I don't know that starting at Dodger Stadium is the easiest thing in the world. We were talking about it with respect to Hyunjin Ryu, too, and I don't know when he'll be back. Um, but, you know, if it's by the end of the month, I don't think you want him starting in L.A. That doesn't make sense to me. I mean, that's an added layer of, of uh, drama, you know. So, you know, but, but Ryu's coming, too, and then they've got another decision to make if Manoa does well and if Ryu doesn't have a setback and all that. And, again, these are good problems to have if you got too many guys. But... Um, we'll see how he does. Maybe, um, you know, they, uh, John Schneider repeated in a number of ways, a number of times yesterday, quote, we're pleased with, and then, you know, finish that sentence, the process, the, the, the work that he's put in, the changes that he's made, you know, and it was all kind of somewhat generic, vague stuff. Nobody has ever said out loud, 
this was the problem and it's fixed. So, mm. uh, you know, you hear things like, well, oh, the velocity is a little bit better and the strike throwing's better now and, and things like that. And, and they, you know, it's just kind of a tweak of the mechanics. And I think there was, you know, a little bit more behind it. I, I mean, you could see at the end before he got sent down that mentally he was kind of, he was shot too. Right. And, and you, you can understand that. So hopefully the confidence is, been rebuilt and and that'll help him out on Friday night. It does feel like fingers are crossed that this was just a mental hurdle that he needed to overcome and maybe he's done that and maybe that is is the truth but it does seem a little bit uh, hopeful. Uh, consequences here are an interesting thing because I think when we were talking you know a month ago six weeks ago we're talking about you know What's what is this going to do for September if you keep rolling him out there? If you keep running him onto the mound, what does this mean for September? Like, can he can he survive this for September? Now I'm thinking if he comes back and it doesn't go well again after a tough one in the FCL and a month spent away from this team, should we start worrying about next season? You know, in terms of consequences, like could this are are, are they playing with fire a little bit here in terms of you know throwing him out there just to see when really this could be you know confidence team on the edge here I don't think so I wouldn't go that far because I think the confidence was an aftershock of the lack of success like I don't think a lack of confidence caused him to struggle I think the struggles caused his confidence to waver that's that's what I believe so um, I, I wouldn't uh, I, I wouldn't venture into next year territory yet I mean let's see what happens Friday let's see how he does if he doesn't do well, let's see what they do with them. And then whatever happens, even if it goes really poorly, they've got a whole offseason to try to figure it out. And I would imagine that um, Manoa will be spent. You know, he's from Miami. I wouldn't be surprised if he spends more time in Dunedin than he did last year. Um, you know, that, that place is open to everybody all winter long. And, and I think sometimes the team says, hey, why don't you come in and, and let's do some stuff in here. But um, I, I think I understand what you're saying, but I think that's three, four steps down the line right now. And the first thing is, uh, let's see how he does Friday night. Let's see how and, and but you, it'll be, uh, you know, every five or six days, it'll be, let's see how he does. Let's see how he does. Let's see how he does until, you know, you get to the point where you say, okay, he's back just like Barrios. Like last year, Barrios was a, let's see how he does. Let's see how he does. And now he's kind of back to being Jose Barrios again. I don't know that people, you know, have their uh, their lucky charms out every time Jose Barrios takes them out right now. I think they feel pretty good that he's back. So I, I think it's kind of a start-by-start process right now with Manoa to see. And, and uh, listen, ho- he's important, right? And John Schneider made that case several times, too. Yeah, they're talking about how big a part he is of the team. And uh, obviously, when they sat down by Zoom or in the room or whoever was on the decision-making committee, they thought this stuff through. The, you have to play the what-if game, and I'm sure they considered um, all of the different options. So uh, how about uh, let's see how he does Friday night. We'll talk next week. Yeah, so. no, you make a good point, right? Because yeah. confidence was shot with Jose Brios, and now we feel good about Jose Brios. And confidence yeah. might have been shot with Yusei Kikuchi. Now we feel pretty good about Yusei Kikuchi in the context of a fifth starter. I just worry about a younger guy who was mm-hmm. on top of the world and had all that bravado and was definitely, you know, uh, knocked down a peg uh, with this uh, with the start of the season, and I worry about what that second uh, knockdown might look like right. after that. Okay, it's positive. Yeah, that, now. yeah, and this is yeah, this is a guy too who, like his personality, as you guys know, mm. is a he's a fighter, right? His personality is, and and uh, I'm sure this was a wake up call, and I don't mean in the sense that he did anything wrong, but just in the sense that oh, it's not always going to go well, and and like this was a drastic wake up call. 
But, um, you know, Schneider also talked to about the things they've been working on and the processes they put in place. They will continue. It's not like they're just, um, you know, releasing them into the wild here. They're going to keep working with them on on everything they're working on. And again, a lot of it has been very, very general comments to us about, well, what is it exactly? You know, that sort of thing. And they they don't have to tell us, right? It's their prerogative um, to not tell us. But I, you know, hopefully over the course of the season, we continue to see consistency and stability and all those things. And uh, this becomes a a chapter in the past. Yes, certainly not ready to write off uh, that Friday night start, but it'll be very highly anticipated, Dan. Everybody will be watching and listening. Big ratings. Yeah, Yeah. you'll have a good night. I know that. Wear your best suit, Dan. (laughs) You'll be looking good. Do your hair. (laughs) 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 Sorry, I had to. Um, Okay, so let's talk positives because I think there's been uh, a couple here, specifically Vladimir Guerrero Jr. with uh, over 1,000 OPS since the last 10 games. He obviously gets a really important uh, two-run home run uh, last night. Um, Just seeing Vladdy kind of get into a groove, then headed to the All-Star game in the Home Run Derby. I'm sure that's been a nice bit of positivity for you guys on the broadcast as well. Yeah, and Siddle said it last night. Like, it's one thing when anybody hits a big home run for the team, but it feels a little bit different when it's Vladdy. And, and we all, even if you, if you can't back that up with statistics, I, I think we all know what he means, and we all agree, right? It's just different when it's Vladdy who does it. And it was a big home run at a big time. And it's his second big home run recently um, that he's hit. And quite frankly, they, they need more. Like they need him to hit the ball over the fence sometimes or even just come up. It, 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 we mentioned it the last couple of days. I don't know if you guys saw it. The whole runners and scoring position thing, which has mm-hmm. been you know a monster conversation all season long. Vladdy's not the problem. And Bo Bichette's clearly not the problem. But if you, if, if you look at their numbers with runners in scoring position and runners in scoring position with two outs, Vladdy's done extremely well. Maybe not hitting a ton of home runs, but singles, doubles, driving in runs, all that stuff. Like he's got 50 some, 54, whatever it is, RBIs on the season. Um, he's doing pretty well driving in runs and, and hitting in clutch situations. It's just we hold him to such a high standard when he doesn't succeed all the time. It's like, what's wrong with Vladdy? So, but it, it was big last night and, and they needed it. Like they didn't come out and trounce the White Sox. They. That was uh, whew, at the end of the night, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I thought it was great that he hit the home run. I thought it was also great that Jordan Romano had a chance to get out mm-hmm. there two days later, one game later, after giving up the home run on Sunday and look great. And he did. He looked great last night. I mean, his location with his slider was terrific. So, um you know, this team is not going to make it easy on the fan base. They're going to, it's going to, I, I have a, a, a neighbor of mine. I was out side out in the front doing something the other day and he pulled up and he lowered his window and he goes i don't know what to do am i in am i out can i take this for the next three months tell me what i should do and i said i "I can't advise you on that i said but like i think we've got enough evidence to see that uh, this is going to have some emotional ups and downs uh, over the next three months but uh, all is right in the world at least for now they won last night yeah, I wanted to ask you about Jordan Romano next because, you know, he can get in trouble when it's slider, 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 slider. And it was pretty much slider, 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 slider last night. But he looked absolutely untouchable. Is that the best he's looked for you all season? Um, I don't know if it's the best he's looked all season. I, um, You know, he's he's 25 out of 28 in save situations. And, and um, if he had been an all-star, I wouldn't have been crazy surprised. Like, he's... Uh, he's really good. He's a better than average major league closer. Um, and that makes him a really better than average major league reliever. So 
Um, I think sometimes, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's like other things. It, you only notice it. You only notice the guy when it goes wrong. Right. And, and I think he's had a really good year in terms of all the sliders. I think that was who he was pitching to last night. I've talked to Jordan about this and he says he feels equally comfortable with his two pitches. So more often than not, he'll pitch to the weakness of the hitters. And I understand that. I think sometimes that leads to a bit of predictability with him. If, because the hitters know what their weakness is, right? And they're, you know, their analytics people are saying, if you're a bad slider hitter, he's going to throw you sliders. If you're a bad fastball hitter, he's going to throw you fastball. So, you know, he's got to make sure that he continues to mix it up a little bit. But the White Sox are a right-hand hitting, heavy chase, swing and miss team. And that profile fits a slider, obviously. Like, he could have thrown Jake Berger 30 of them last night, and he would have struck about 10 dimes, I, I think, because Jake Berger's just you know, that kind of a guy. So um, I thought he looked very good. Uh, I think, you know, that was the game plan, throw sliders. But it was the location of the slider that I loved. He didn't hang any, but they were all competitive enough that he was getting chase on it, that they were swinging and missing at them, balls that were, you know, landing down and away. So he looked really good. And I'm glad for him, good dude. And, you, you know, you're out there on an island as a closer when things don't go well. Even It wasn't a safe situation the other day, but giving up the home run that, wound up losing the game. So I'm, I'm really happy he got a chance to get back in there so quickly. You might say Jake Berger is a nothing burger for Jordan. Yeah, Romano. you might. So I didn't run the numbers on this because maybe I don't want to be proven wrong, uh, but we feel on this show that this team is so much better when Kevin Kierminer is actually available and in the lineup. Uh, do you just see it that way? And another, not another example last night, but he's noticeable all the time, even if it isn't one of those Kiermeyer nights, but do you subscribe to the notion that, yeah, this team's a lot different when Kiermeyer's around? Yes. Yes, and he's not hitting as much lately. He's kind of gone into his first little mini lull, but they didn't get him for offense. I mean, you want what you can get, obviously. But yes, when he's in center field, you have as good a defensive center fielder as there is in baseball, and then Varsho can play left, and you've got as good a defensive left fielder as there is in baseball. And um, I, I think Varsho's got a chance to win a gold glove in left field. The only thing that might keep him from doing it is if he plays too many games in center, it might hurt him in left. But but we'll see. But, yeah, it just seems like that's their team. Like, as they rolled out this lineup last night, you kind of said, okay, that's that's their team. So, um, yes, you, you you know, you have a little – you have the speed at the bottom of the order, and, and he's been great. I mean, Kevin Kiermeyer, I think still, even with missing a few games here and there, has still been more even than, than anybody had a right to expect, being, I think, 33 and coming off hip surgery – and all that. So he's a good player, and he's still a great outfielder. Great outfielder and a great, great base runner, too. And, you know, there are some games where that doesn't come into play. You just get routine fly balls, and you get routine base running situations. But there are other games where you see, boy, nobody else on the team could have made that play. And uh, it's 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 nice to have him in there. It gives them a little bit more depth, too, because then maybe Vigio's in the lineup, or maybe not. Maybe he's coming off the bench, or maybe Merrifield's coming off the bench, and one of the catchers is coming off the bench and everything just feels a little bit deeper. I still think they could use a little bit more depth, but yeah, when Kiermaier's in there, it looks more complete. Well, Dan, we're a few days away from the all-star break. Uh, what do you get up to on a couple of days off? A whole lot of nothing. Oh, like perfect. literally Slug a mode. whole lot of nothing. <laughs> um, 
Uh, I've got some, yeah, I got some stuff around the house I got to take care of. I got my own little personal to-do list that falls by the wayside when you, when you do baseball games. So I am excellent at like having a list in my calendar and then looking at it and saying, you know what, I'm going to move that to Thursday <laughs> and then I'm going to move that to Monday. And, and at some point my calendar should say, dude, that's, that's it. That's you've used up your, your chances here. You got to get it done. But um, I'm not going to do very much. Um, I've got a four-year-old, so I'll be there when he gets home from camp. I'll see him in the morning and be home when he gets home from camp. And uh, I'll get a couple of workouts in and uh, maybe even some afternoon. I'll listen to the morning show and then have an afternoon nap just like you guys do. That is beautiful. Well, you put the pro in procrastination. <laughs> there you, enjoy you go. It. Uh, yeah. Glad to get a chance to chat with you before the, uh, the, the break here. Enjoy this week and specifically Friday night. We'll be tuned in every night. We appreciate it, Dan. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. It's Dan Schulman, Blue Jays play-by-play announcer for us at Sportsnet. And our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. How's your to-do list? I, If it's on the list, it's off the list within an hour. Like, I am mm-hmm. type A enough that it's like, this, if it's being a list is being created, it will be completed. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's uh, not the case with me and Dan. Yeah. Not much. It's okay. We got a couple to things each to is do. on. But yeah, he deserves a little time. He does. A little time off. Everyone's going to have a little a little all-star break, uh, change things up a little bit, get some sleep. Different looks. Yeah. Enjoy it. Uh, you're like slider, 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 slider. That was like, that's like me at a barbecue. <laughs> yeah, it's your fourth of July. I just pictured them rolling by, slider, slider, slider. Yeah. Just like Jordan Romano. It was a good performance last night. He's very good in save situations and he's not been great in non-save situations so just put him in high pressure i i was gonna like i don't know i i I was gonna ask blake this yesterday we ran out of time but like wins clearly i get it they don't mean anything starting pitchers whatever i get that but we are we hold on to saves still when jordan romano gives up a game losing home run to alex verdugo Mm -hmm. and verdugo only hits home runs off him apparently and, like, I get that that factors in the conversation. I get that's maybe why he's not an all-star, because if you're close to leading the leagues, leagues in saves, then, yeah, that's, that sounds all-star worthy to me. But it feels like we value saves, and, again, it's ridiculous because that's all you need to do is save the game and make sure it's a victory rather than a loss or you go to extra innings, or, you know, so far and so forth. You know how a save situation works. I just think that we cling a little too much. It's like the default with Romano, because I don't know if he's been... I don't have all that much confidence. I don't have like oozing confidence with Romano. And sometimes I feel like we could be seeing a better version of Jordan Romano. Sometimes I'm a little nervous when he gets out there in big spots, but we, for some reason do cling to the save thing a little more than I expect we would in the day of age of analytics and other ways to measure performance. At least you didn't start the show with your the preseason. Like I did saying that Jordan Romano would get his under saved and that he would fall off the wagon this year because uh that was my take remember this year i said that when we predicted like all the breakout candidates and regression candidates i said jordan romano it's surprising when you have a take like that because yeah. you, you try but to be positive I'm, and i know and here i am i'm swallowing my pride because i said it's pretty hard to be that good two well, years again he's having his worst spots uh when it, it's not a safe situation you have to admit when you're wrong and that's what i'm doing okay Okay, we got an absolute beauty on the other side of the break. Swag Kelly, Grey Cup champ, Toronto Argonauts quarterback, will join us. Uh, the big positive in Toronto sports right now are those Toronto Argonauts. Undefeated, the last undefeated team in the league right now. Uh, big win previously this week. We've been chatting a little Argos, and we're going to talk to someone that is uh, 
quite the character. What a way to wrap up your Wednesday. Also, quick wake and rake to end the show so you can send those picks in at 590-590. we got to get ours in there. We did our John Deere PGA picks earlier in the show, so if you're looking for that, it's in the A-list. Uh, all that to wrap up our Wednesday with Chad Kelly. The best Blue Jays show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Justin Cuthbert, and Ailish Forfar. There's only one undefeated team in the Canadian Football League, and they happen to be the defending Grey Cup champions. The Toronto Argonauts, the best team in the city right now, without question, stay undefeated after a big victory over the BC Lions on Monday night. And we have their starting quarterback on the line. Swag, Chad Kelly, Toronto Argonauts quarterback and Grey Cup champion. Of course, he came off the bench to lead the Argos to the Grey Cup last year. Good morning, Chad. How are we doing? I'm doing fantastic. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. So, yeah, only unbeaten team in the league, best team in Toronto right now. What's it feel like to be uh, riding the waves with the Argonauts this year? Yeah, it, it feels good. Uh, we know it's it's still early in the season. Uh, it's a long season. You know, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So we just got to keep on working hard every single day. Um, you know, we can't let off the gas and, and understand it's going to take a lot of hard work still. Some validation, though, in that victory over BC because that's kind of the case every year. Like, we're not really sure what we're getting with an Argos team. There's usually some action in free agency. They're bringing guys in. Maybe there's a little bit more turnover in this city and with the Argonauts overall. But a good and talented BC team that was pretty good themselves coming in undefeated. Uh, you know, some validation in beating another good team and a team that uh, in a game that a lot of people had circled on the calendar. Yeah, I mean, we, we knew going into the game it was going to be a tough game. Uh, BC's obviously well-coached. They have a ton of veterans back there. Um, that D-line is a very solid group. Um, you know, I, I think that our guys knew this was going to be a tough test, and every single day they came prepared at practice. Um, you know, we put in a ton of time off the field uh, together and, and um, you know, watching plenty of film day in and day out, and guys knew – you know, the magnitude of this game, right? Guys wanted to show out that, hey, we, we are really good and, and we stand on that ground. And, you know, being at home, it gives us a little bit more energy. And, you know, I thought our guys really, really responded well after that that punt return for a touchdown. So, um, you know, it was just a, a overall great day. Does the team feel like a added level of pressure or power in being defending champs? Obviously, a lot of eyes on you guys this year. and A real energy, I think, surrounding the Argos. Um, how do you balance that pressure and also power in that position of being the defending champs? Yeah, no, knowing people are going to be gunning for us, you know, we're going to get everybody's best. Uh, you know, I, I just think that this year's team is, is a little different than last year. Guys are, are willing to put in, you know, as much work as they have to. Um, they're going to live by it on and off the field. Um, you know, it, it takes a lot of people to buy in to, you know, getting better each and every snap, each and every day. So I think from, you know, walking into the building, guys are staying late, they're focused, and that's all you can have is, is a bunch of grown men that are focused and, and ready to get better. 
So I mentioned off the top there, uh, you were thrust into the Grey Cup last year, uh, playing behind McLeod Bethel Thompson. Uh, you lead the Argonauts to a victory, and and it's the type of moment that could you know really change your life, right? Because I, I'm not sure what your plans were. I'm not sure uh, if you believed you were going to be a starter this this season last year at that point, but you prove it on that stage and windows and doors open up to you in terms of your your life and where you're going here with your career so when you look back on that moment did it reroute you did it change the plans did it change your expectations did it like solidify you as hey I'm going to be a CFLer here moving forward what did that do to you for your career and I guess your mindset and your and what you knew about what you were as an athlete and where you were headed yeah that, that, that's a fantastic point um you know I, I think that that right there kind of summed up the season, right? I wasn't able to really, you know, be out there with the guys every single snap doing exactly what I wanted to do. But in the biggest stage, you know, something wild, crazy like that happened, and you're like, hey, I got to go in there and, and do what I was taught to do my whole life, but not really understanding the magnitude of the game, right? You're not up from up here. You obviously know the Great Cup. You understand everything, but – until you're in the game situation, you're like, man, this is the biggest thing that Canada has, and you know, I'd say the second biggest thing in the in the country, right, or in the in the in the world behind behind the NFL, right. So, mm-hmm. I think this is just something that you know I was prepared to do. I was so focused, obviously, this whole season. Um, I, I think that just waiting on my time and and understanding how Mac went about things and how I just had to go in and kind of just pretend like nothing even happened, right. So. Um, I, I think that's one thing that obviously getting to the game and, and transpiring, but, you know, I, I think, you know, after all that transpired, I'm like, man, I definitely feel like I've shown that I can belong in the biggest stage. So, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm destined to have a chance. Right. And, you know, I, I'm, I thank the good Lord that all these things happened to me. And, you know, I, I go through trials and tribulations like we all do um, plenty of ups and downs, but it's like how, how can you get better? How can how can you be a better person, a better man, a better teammate um, each and every day? And that's kind of what I my mindset going through this whole offseason was, is how can I be mentally more prepared than I've ever been, right? I've never been in a situation where I'm leading a Fortune 500 company. And especially, you know, how big Toronto is, this is, this is all eyes on deck, right? So um, that's kind of how I approach this offseason. Obviously, I, I stayed up here. I worked hard and got with the coaches and I think they just believed in me, you know, showing what I did in practice last year and obviously going in through the great cup and, and being dedicated to, to this team. So you just laid it out, big responsibility here. But you, as you mentioned, you know, you're kind of learning on the fly. You're learning a different brand of the game that you've been playing your whole life. So when you are talking about on the field stuff, what's the biggest challenge for you? Like, what are you still adjusting to? What are you still working on? How are you, you know, what, what what's still a challenge to you in terms of playing this position in the Canadian Football League as opposed to where you have been playing football? Yeah, um, you know, obviously, you know, there's so many, there's coverages, right? But there's there's a lot of intricacies in the coverages, right? Having 12 people on the field, right? You get an NFL playbook, it's about 400 pages long. You get a playbook in the CFL, it's about 700. So, you know, that, that shows you right there that adding another person and all these different types of motions and, you know, different ways receivers run routes and, and intertwine with each other. I think that's the biggest thing is knowing where your guys are, right? And especially up here, a lot more man coverage or a lot more zone coverage. You know, we just played a team that played a little bit more man. 
But in zone coverage, you have to have the receivers all on point, right? And they have to paint the picture. So, you know, there, there's a lot, of, a lot of exterior things, especially in Toronto, that can throw people off of their game. But I think, you know, at, at adjusting to this game, because we have, you know, so many guys that are from south of the border and guys up, up, up north have obviously played the game a little longer than everybody. But everybody has to be on the same page. You know, if one person is in the wrong spot, and the defense dictates, you know, you have to throw here, and he's not there, then, you know, everything breaks down. you got to adjust on the fly, right? So um, you only get two downs. That, that's the biggest thing. He's got to stay ahead of the sticks, right? And these past, these first three games, we, we sometimes fell behind the sticks, and, and that's the thing is first down has to be a positive play, whatever that is, so it gives us a chance on second down. You've got one of the most legendary uh, quarterbacks as a mentor in your uncle, Jim Kelly. He was in attendance on Monday night. What's it like having him around? Does he give you a little tip in the tricks and being, uh, you know, a legend in your own right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he, he understands um, that it's a different game for sure. Uh, second, I think he just he always loves harping on take what the defense gives you, right? <laughs> and I felt like last, last game I, I definitely did that. Um, you know, sometimes when it wasn't there the, the week before, I, I tried forcing it, right? And, and you know, I got myself kicked twice. So, you know, that, that's the thing as a quarterback. You got you to see the defense. You got to feel the defense. You got to feel everybody's dropping deep because, hey, they don't, they don't need to play up. Or, hey, they're already down so much, they're not trying to let any more points go on the board, so they're just playing prevent, right? So, you know, you just got to understand the game, have good eyes, and, and, and trust your reads like, like Coach always says. Can you feel the marketing machine sort of building behind you? I mean, the the Argos are not, I don't know if they're the most important CFL franchise in terms of like revenue and all that stuff. Like it's Toronto, but there's also other teams that maybe draw more at the gate. But whoever's playing quarterback for the Toronto Argonauts is immensely important to this league. So do you feel that yourself? Um, you know, I, I, I don't feel it um, just because, you know, I, I go about my business every day um, as if I'm the starter or not the starter. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, if fans want to see an electric football team, offense, defense, special teams, uh, at any point we can strike strike up the band, we call it, and score touchdowns at any given moment. This is this is where you want to be. And, you know, I just think that we have so many electric guys on the field um, all the time. And, you know, if I was a fan and not really ever been being to a CFL game, or knowing about it, I'd want to go because there's going to be some points put up put up on the board. Tell us a little bit your uh, starting tailback, AJ Olette. Uh, I saw some footage of him involved in a bit of a independent wrestling scene. He looks like a <laughs> character. Can you tell us about the character that is AJ Olette? Yeah, he is uh, one of the hardest working guys I've ever seen in my life. Um, he is hands down the best teammates I've had. Um, he is just a fantastic overall human being. Um, you know, I, I can't say enough good things about who he is off the field. Um, on the field, obviously you guys have seen he, he's just a, a dedicated guy. He loves the game. He wants to run people over. He wants to make people miss. He wants to win. And, you know, I, I don't know what else embodies a better teammate than than everything that AJ Olet brings to, to our team and what he went through last year, how they, you know, cut him and then he was on his way out and, you know, they brought him back. I, I just think that, you know, he didn't hold any grudges over anybody either. And and I definitely respect that for that. So um I, I just think that him being who he is, coming from a blue blue collar family in Ohio, 
man, that kid, that kid loves football. We're talking to Chad Kelly, uh, Argos quarterback, Grey Cup champ. Okay, so uh, you also got a new face. I got to ask about my former classmate at Dartmouth, Flo. He joined the team this year. Mm-hmm. How's he doing, my buddy Flo? I will say this. Everybody who, who's hearing this right now, that, that man is Von Miller. He is oh, Von Miller. Nice. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I told, told Coach last year, you know, he, he said when we were playing Calgary, hey, this is the best player on the field. And then, you know, we go through the whole season. I'm looking back and I'm like, man, that guy was the best player <laughs> on the whole on the whole whole defense side of the ball all last year out of all the teams. And for us to get a guy of his caliber on our team, he's the first one in, last one to leave. Um, you know, he's the hardest working guy on the field as well. I just, you know, I, I think he is so deserving of being the best player in this league and he's only getting better. Um, you know, his, his bend ability is crazy. He watches so much film. He understands where the quarterback's going to be on all his drops. He, he just understands his opponent very well. And I think that that's what makes him such a, a great player. All right, last one for you, Chad. I mean, you've been, you know, Toronto's been at an arm's reach for you as a guy who's from Buffalo, uh, but now living in the city, being here for a while now, do you have a favorite thing about living in Toronto? Uh, it's very close to the water. <laughs> that is that is one thing that I love, uh, just, just being around the water. Obviously, you know, this whole city is surrounded by, you know, Lake Ontario. And, um, you know, I, I just I, I think hanging out by the water gives you a whole bunch of more energy than, than you normally have. And, um, you know, I believe in, in that. And I just think that being in this city with such great culture and food and, and by the water, it, it doesn't get much better than this. Uh, pretty good for the leader of the boatmen to like the water. Just don't, just don't go swimming. It might not be swimming safe. Yeah. Just you know, pick your spots. Pick your spots. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. Best of luck moving forward on the season. I think we're going to catch up with you soon because this was a lot of fun, and we definitely should because the Toronto Argonauts are uh, off to a great start this season, and they've got a great quarterback under center. Uh, we appreciate this, Chad. Let's do this again soon. Perfect. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Go Argos. That's Chad Kelly, Toronto Argonauts quarterback and great cup champion. Likes the water. Again, <laughs> I would be, <laughs> like, uh, just ooh. don't, don't dip your head underneath. Don't, you're going to get E. coli. Actually, I have swam in, have you swam in Lake Ontario? Ooh, I don't think so. If you go out a little, like you're okay if you go out. I'm trying to remember if I have. I'm like a lot of people, island, a lot of but... people got the boats going, and it's, that's not just for show. You can go out a little further. And you and can jump in. You can jump. I'm in. not like going with snorkeling. You just snorkeling near the shore. It is a bit sketch out there. You're I saw this that. this video circulating on Twitter yesterday of the lines to get to Lake Ontario. You sorry to get to the island. Right. Hours people were waiting at the ferry you can get terminal. Stranded out there. Yeah, but people were waiting hours at the ferry terminal and like jam packed like sardines, you, you know, to get on the ferry. So plan wisely. It's also where we're in the middle of a heat wave, it's a scorcher. So yeah, be careful out there. <laughs> you might be better off in the water. And oh, not the case. There's people. Dicey. How many people live on the island? Do you know? I that? am obsessed with the people. I, That's a I reality to, show. No, isn't I it? legitimately need to know if anybody knows somebody that lives on the island. Please con like give them my contact information because I want to talk to them. What a life it is to be a Toronto Island resident. Six hundred and fifty ref- residents, roughly. And it's very exclusive club. I mean, yeah, you would you'd think like I love the island. I'll go and look, ride my little bike down their neighborhood streets, and it's so cute and quaint. It's like another world. There are obvious limitations because well, yeah, you know there's you know island. there's not like a big department store to go get groceries. I assume but it's so cute and quaint. 
But yeah, you'd think it's pretty elite real estate. Do they have 590 on the island? Oh, yeah. Hey, are you there? We go to every hamlet in every island. Can we do a live show from the island? I think uh, I'm close to a little catchphrase there. I'm not sure what it is, but... Uh, For what, the hamlets? We reach every hammer. At, you know, I don't know, something. Some, we get something to work around there. From coast to coast and hamlet to hamlet. <laughs> but it's not coast to coast. Well, they could hear us it's in Ontario Vancouver. Ontario only. Yeah, but just do that. use the app. Sports on app. Anyway, how about the praise for my buddy Flo? Vaughn Miller? I'm telling you, he's, he's something special. I got to get out there and watch. I got to get a jersey. Yes, you might have to skip the, um, not that they play on Friday. I'm not going to have to look up their next game. Uh, but maybe save the funds for a skewed Detroit and yeah. just go to the next Argo I game. I think I've decided not to go to Detroit, but oh, I appreciated all like the input. That, eh? <laughs> I appreciated all the input on the text line. Someone had some important information in the text line there? Yeah, they just they said it was the third most dangerous city in America and that I might not enjoy it. And... Just go to Toronto Island. Oh, I would lo- love to go to Toronto Island. Let's have a fan morning show outing to Toronto Island. Yeah. Okay, there's a little cafe. How do we get our equipment across the water? Well, we can't wait in the ferry line for too long. No. Um, okay, let's do a wake and rake and set up today's uh, Blue Jays game against the Chicago White Sox. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. Okay, so we hit yesterday, mm-hmm. thanks to Vladdy's two-run home run to get the Blue Bailed Jays the lead. My buddy, my Dartmouth Big Green on the mound for the Cubs, just absolutely dialed. And who'd you have? Run line of the Braves. I had the Astros, yeah. Yeah, Run line over the Colorado Rockies. Was thinking of going back there, but I got another pick. Okay, so where are you starting? Let's let's keep it hot. Okay, so this one's a little bit more complex, uh, but I'm going with the Atlanta Braves to lead after five innings on the three-way money line minus 130. Um, The Braves are in Cleveland. Mm Mm-hmm. Doing battle with your guy, Cal Quantrill. It's been a rough go for Cal. I've been fading Cal. It's one of the few things I've been successful with since we started betting baseball exclusively. So, you know, I'm riding the Braves. Braves are my team. Futures on the Braves. (laughs) All about the Braves. Ronald Lacuna Jr. almost had a heart attack because he got a little banged up, a little shoulder thing, sliding into second the other night. But I'm all about the Braves, and I think they're going to get after Cal Quantrill early. Another Canadian, Mike Soroka, on the bump for What's Atlanta. What's the last time two Canadians went head-to-head on the mound? We'd have to check that one out. Where's sports and stats? Steve Fallon will be on that they at some listening? point today. But I'm preferring the one Canadian, Soroka, over the other one in Cal Quantrill. Braves to get out to a lead early, minus 130. I'll accept it, but I don't like it. Okay, And I bet Corey and Port Hope, who texts in every morning, also doesn't like it. So we should pick his anchor pick. As a uh, homage Peace offers. to Peace offering. Port Hope, yeah. where my parents also live. So you're really going against the community here. Uh, so let's let's uh, let's read Corey's pick here. Good morning, Corey from Port Hope. Hope everyone woke up a little richer after the wake and rake win last night. We did. For my pick tonight, I'm going back to the Blue Jays game. Barrios has been great against the White Sox over his career, which is why I'll take the Jays' first five innings money line. There I'm you go. I'm a little theme here. First back, five innings. A backup plan would be Barrios over four and a half Ks. I also like that one. But uh, let's let's stick with the. The five-inning money line. It's kind of yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. I like the Blue Jays tonight. Uh, Lance Lynn is on the bump for the Chicago White Sox. Lots of strikeouts for Lance so far this season. But the ERA is a little bloated. Okay. So it could be a good night for the Blue Jays offensively. Uh, but Barrios, you'd have more confidence of Barrios at this point. In this, uh, the Blue Jays should have the pitching matchup in their favor tonight. So that's uh, Blue Jays lead after five innings. It's, it's the two-way. 
Yes. So that minus three way. Minus that would three be two way. Okay. So a little complex today, but we'll get there. No, I thought this was also three way. Are we not doing both the same? Like to be winning after five innings? Uh, mine. It was one eighty for me. Two way. Yeah. That's why I went the three way one thirty to so get to get a better price. You too? could do it; it'd probably be better than that number. Though. Yeah, so it's plus money. There you go. It would okay. be plus money. So Braves to lead after five innings. Jays to lead after five innings, and I am going to go because Neil in Newfoundland didn't. Uh, oh, he just texted in. Wow, it's like I manifested that. He said, "Good morning." More rain messing with the Wimbledon schedule. Thumbs down. Well, I wanted to go with Bianca on the spread today against Anna Bondar because I'm we haven't been able to talk much Wimbledon. A bunch of Canadians in action today. Um, so I'm going to do it, but I don't know about the schedule. It says 1.30. That's okay. I mean, so I'm going to lock it time. in there. Bianca on the spread. Uh, got a bunch of Canadians in line? action. It's minus 140. And I know there's some men, um, Canadian men on currently. Milos Ronic is playing, and I believe I saw one other at the same time. So Neil knows about the schedule. I'm still going to lock in Bianca on the spread. That's minus four and a half against Anna Bondar. And when you parlay that up, it's plus 495. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. So you got Burios on the mound Let's today. get two in a row. I like that. I like that a lot. Burios on the mound today. That's eight o'clock start. Um, we obviously talked about this all morning. If you missed it, where you been? Alec Manoa is starting Friday night. Against the Detroit Tigers, um, that will be a must-watch, must-watch game, maybe a must-travel to game. If you are somewhere close to Detroit, let us know if you think you're just going to venture in there and see the Puma take the mound again. And it all lines up perfectly again. It's Barrios tonight, Kikuchi closing things out in Chicago, and then it's back to the number one slot. Alec Manoa, then Gosman, then Bassett. Just as we started, we will pick it back up. Uh, yeah, it will be a fascinating night. But these two games against Chicago, pretty important because the Jays are in the trail position. Maybe a bit of a gift with L.A. dealing with some injury things. Mike Trout's going to miss some time. Shohei Otani is dealing with a blister. Not that that should really affect or derail his season. But, yeah, the L.A. Angels are, are running into a little adversity. But the Blue Jays still have to catch someone in the realm of Houston, New York, and Baltimore in order to be a playoff team this year. And making hay against bad teams, which is what they have exclusively on the schedule until the All-Star break, uh, it's pretty important. So another important game tonight and these games to come here against Chicago and Detroit, utmost importance. And Chicago and Detroit, both not the greatest of teams in terms of the AL Central. Tigers are 37 and 47. White Sox, who they're facing again tonight, 37 and 50. So very winnable two series, very sweepable two series. When's the last thing the Blue Jays went on a winning streak? Uh, it just depends like a how long. Lengthy winning streak. <laughs> depends how long. Like when's the last time they put six to seven wins in a row? That would be super great vibes going into. Believe the high break. this year is six, and you're going to need a couple of those runs. Maybe it's not six in a row. Maybe it's six of seven. Whatever mm-hmm. it has to be. But again, eventually the Blue Jays have to start stringing wins together. Because that's the only way to make up ground, and that's what they have to do to make the playoffs this year. Okay, one game at a time. They're on a one-game winning streak. You got to start with one. Vlade uh, with a big home run and a pretty good game by Bassett last night. So let's keep that going. It's 8 p.m. first pitch tonight against the Chicago White Sox. We will be back on your baby Friday tomorrow morning.